0: Good evening and welcome to Teachers
1: Talk Radio. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Good evening, everybody. You are listening live to Teachers
0: Talk Radio. It's The Late Show with me, Tom Rogers, on the hottest place to listen to teachers talk on the planet. For all you education professionals out there, special show tonight looking at the impact of knife crime on communities and how we can prevent it through education. You can watch and listen this show all over the shop.
1: This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.
0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Late Show with me, Tom Rogers, on Teachers Talk Radio. And we are also streaming our show live across LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter through our Teachers Talk Radio account. And uh, th- thanks for everybody for tuning in to Teachers Talk Radio. We're coming up to our one year anniversary. I can't believe it. Uh, one year of Teachers Taught Radio shows. Uh, that's that's a lot of shows. I think we've nearly done a thousand Teachers Taught Radio shows over the last year. Huge volume of, of amazing shows that people have been tuning into. We've already got a few people joining the live show uh, on the Podbean app. And for a first time ever, we are also streaming this show through multiple platforms. You could be watching this on Twitter, at @TT TTRadio2022. You could be watching this show on YouTube at Teachers Talk Radio. You could be watching this show on LinkedIn, through our LinkedIn channel, where we've got about 700 followers over on LinkedIn. So you could be you could be watching it or listening to it practically anywhere. Uh, good evening to Noam, who has just joined, one of our regular listeners from Iran. Good evening, Noam. Uh, it is good to see you with us. Miss Saoirse, good to see you. Uh, And also just to kind of talk a little bit about what we're talking about on the show today. The focus of the show is on knife crime prevention and the things that are going on with knife crime around the UK. And it's obviously been a terrible uh, uh, year or two in terms of what's actually happened with with knife crime around this country. So just last year, uh, 30 people, uh, 30 teenagers, sorry, died in the capital in London just last year. And three days ago, there was actually an article published on the BBC website about this, um, and the, the the new underage record was set last year for stabbing homicides in the city of London. A third of all England stabbing deaths uh, were reported in the city of London, but it doesn't just stop there. There are instances of. Uh, uh, children and teenagers being affected by this all around the country and just a couple of months ago it may have been six weeks ago now a 13 year old girl was stabbed in stabbed to death in my city liverpool and uh, that had a profound effect on the community in liverpool in terms of people's awareness of what was going on with knife crime and how it was actually affecting communities so thank you very much for for tuning into this and i've got two special guests with me i'm going to introduce. The first one of those guests, hopefully, in just a second, um, and both guests are coming on to talk about the impact of knife crime on them. The first guest, who is Carl Scott, is going to be talking about it very much from a, a personal perspective, um, and the second guest, who is Tom Dukes, will be talking about it from a charity perspective, uh, as he represents the Bank in Foundation. So he will be talking to us about how. They are trying to tackle knife crime through education. It's not an easy um, uh, thing to try and overcome, I guess. It's a very difficult topic. It's even a difficult topic for us to discuss tonight. Um, Just going to hopefully tune us into our guest. Carl, good evening to you. Hello. Hello. How are you? Are you good? I'm good, thanks. You can hear me, yeah? I can. I can (laughs) hear you loud. You are live on Teachers Talk Radio. <clears throat> we are absolutely delighted to, to have you with us. Um, when I reached out to Carl uh, about coming on to TTR, it was very much from the perspective of uh, somebody who has, has first-hand experience of of knife crime. Um, I actually reached out before this show over on, over on Facebook, and, and Carl was somebody who got in touch. And his story really intrigued me in terms of uh, what he's been through and what he's doing now. So, Carl, I'm going to hand over to you now with a little introduction. If you if you want to introduce yourself and just tell everybody uh, where you're from,
2: uh, what you do, and maybe a little bit of backstory about yourself. Okay. So, <clears throat> so yeah, I'm Carl Scott. Uh, I live in East Sussex. Um, but I'm originated from uh, Nottingham originally. Yeah. Um, but for my living that I do currently at the moment is uh, I do alcohol support work for vulnerable women with um, addiction in the community. But within my I go around schools and I do talks uh, with a whole bunch of uh, kids in colleges, secondary schools, uh, around the risks and dangers of county line, um, knife crime, grooming, exploitation, um, and just basically put the awareness out there for kids to try and, you know, help them uh, make better choices and find the risks that come with leading that lifestyle. So um because previous like my previous lifestyle was that. So growing up on the streets of Nottingham, um my life revolved around gang lifestyle, um, drug dealing, knife crime. Um yeah, it it was quite it was quite hard growing up. Do you want to do you want to take us back to
0: the beginning, if you like, and and you mentioned that you fell into this um, at quite an early age. Can you kind of tell us how you ended up falling into it? You know what happened. What
2: what why did you go down this path? So basically, growing up for me, I. I mean you can't you can never like I, in a song that I put on, on YouTube, you can't really blame the fact of not having a father around you know because there is good mums out there that are trying the best for their kids but i was i I was brought up without my dad I didn't even know my dad well I had a stepdad, but I kind of rebelled against that so what happened were with the friends that I'd grew up with on the streets, we kind of like gelled together really and just made it as like a a, a lot of people would call it a gang, but us personally wouldn't call it that we would just call it a bunch of friends just going out um and obviously back then admittedly causing chaos in the community and basically doing as we pleased really if you want to put it bluntly um and that's kind of how it all started and then you know then you have a different problem with this person or someone from that estate you've got a problem with them and then that's how it kind of integrates in really and that's how the trouble starts
0: yeah. Um, and I suppose that's how it starts for, for a lot of, of kids in communities in the sense that they, you know, they, they, they get in, if you like, in inverted commas with the wrong crowd. And they, they start to kind of go towards that angle. And you mentioned drugs. I mean, where, does the, where, do, where do drugs come into this? I mean, where, where does that element come in?
2: Well, back at back in the day I didn't even know what drugs were, what, what they actually were. So when I was when I was dealing drugs at that age, I didn't hear dealing, didn't have a clue what, what it were. It was just making a little bit of little bit of money. And and we wanted to be like the older the older crowd. They was doing it, they was making a lot of money and wearing the nice clothes and stuff. And this is the stuff that we wanted to have. So it's kind of all set around that and it hasn't changed today. It's practically the same like you, you know money makes the world go round. in in uh, young people's See all this stuff glamorized on the tv and the jewelry and the gold teeth and the range rovers and and that's something that stands out to them and that's why they get involved but then sometimes it's not even just that kids are exploited and groomed into that with leading them to believe that that is what that life is going to bring them Actually, i that that isn't what it's going to bring them at all. Um, It's just going to bring a lot of destruction for themselves as well as their families. Yeah, absolutely. And
0: I know that you had a very personal experience when it came to, I I guess we could talk wider violence, you know, uh, to kind of start with, but presumably that then trickled into kind of an episode where you experienced knife crime in a very personal way. Do you want to kind of tell us a bit more about that?
2: situation as well? Uh, so yeah, when I was younger, I, I was I was a kid that didn't really care, really. I, I didn't really care about anything. And um, I didn't care who I'd uh, upset. I didn't care who I'd offend. Like, I did, it didn't really matter to me. So what happened? We had um, I had a situation with a couple of lads that had come onto our estate, as pathetic as that sounds. It does sound pathetic now when you think. look back at it. Now I'm older. But uh, a couple of lads that had come onto my estate... And um, I had a fight with one of these lads. And um, back then, I used to smoke a bit of weed, but to to get some weed, I had to go over to their estate um, and and use the phone box because back in the nineties, we didn't have mobile phones. Only the people that had a lot of money had the phones. Um, and what that I that I had a fight with a couple of weeks previous to that. like, uh, do I run? Do I stay? Do I just, you know, do I just deal with it? And I chose to stay where I were. And uh, it turned out that they jumped me, about six six of them jumped me. And then I was, to prevent that, I got stabbed with a carving knife in the leg. So that was, uh, it was quite effective. But at the time, even though I survived, luckily I survived because there's a lot of people out there that don't survive when they get stabbed. And luckily I did. But even then it was just I think it was kind of, it was like a badge of honor, really. I've been stabbed. Or I've been, I've been, you know, the stories that you can go around telling people I've been stabbed, but it come, becomes a badge of honor, not actually knowing the consequence of what happened or what could have happened. Now I realize that obviously getting older and growing up and doing what I do for a living, it makes, it actually helps me as the fact of realizing exactly what the consequences of that were.
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to say, so you, you, your, I know something happened with regarding one of your friends, didn't it, with regards to knife crime, um, and and not yeah. just you, but but people who you've been close to. Uh, do you want to talk us through that that
2: bit of it as well? So, um, so one of my best friends that I grew up with, um, he started hanging around with this lad that was new. He was new to the area, <clears throat> but what we didn't really like him. We thought he was a bit of a dodgy guy. So we basically said to my pal, look, you're going to have to stay away from him. He's bad news He's going to end up getting you in trouble. He was like, no, nah, he's all right. He's perfectly fine. So anyway, so um, we were standing on this area in my estate where I lived in St. Anne's and there was this car, this car just come shooting up to the traffic lights. And uh, a couple of these guys got out. But One of them ran, so it ran up towards us as a crowd. So we've all scattered and gone, like just, you know, disappeared out the way. But my pal stayed frozen. He he was just frozen on the wall. And we were shouting him, like, come, like, run, run. And he just literally froze, you know, the fight, flight, or freeze scenario. He just froze. And um, the lad just ran up and put a carving knife straight in his chest. So once that had happened, he'd run off and got back in the car. And I've run up to my pal, and he's like literally fell fell back off of the wall uh, with his legs still over the wall, just basically blowing out blood like he got stabbed in the heart so he, we didn't know that at the time but I'm trying to like you know hold him and keep him alive
0: so it didn't work out That's absolutely shocking and I think the most shocking thing about that is it's been re- replicated so many times in the last few years hasn't it um what, what I mean the first thing I'm supposed to ask is how, how do you how do you Personally, I mean, how how has this affected you? Do you think in in your life that incident? I mean, has it? Does it, You know, do you do you think about it? Do you have nightmares over it? I mean, what what how
2: how does it affect you personally? When, when I was younger, when it happened, I did it, it, it affected me a little bit. But then I got involved with drugs, so you know, drugs. There was a lot of stuff. I've had a lot of traumas happen in my life anyway, not just only like with the knife crime, but things personally, family wise, and stuff like that. So. I've had a lot of stuff to block out along my years of destruction that was, you know, that that I was leading. It was just, you know, making a lot of bad choices. Um, so at the beginning, yeah, it did affect me. I was having bad dreams and, you know, I was, he died in my arms on my legs. So, you know, having to go through something like that at 15, 16, it's, you know, it's, it's not nice to see something like that with you, especially your best friend that you've grew up with since a kid. Um, but around that age, about, about that point, 16, 17 was when I did get involved with drugs. So when I'd found the drug that obviously I'd liked, I carried on and continued to take that drug. And it blocked a lot of stuff out for me. Um, and I never had to think about it until I, you know, I went to rehabilitation. So when I went to rehabilitation, then I had to start talking about these things a little bit more. And I had to do life stories and stuff of all the bad stuff that had happened so you can learn to cope and deal with it. And um, and I struggled. I struggled for a very very long time. It was it was something that um, I didn't really think I had to ever look at again. Um, but to manage to get over the drug the drug problem and keep going back to the drugs and then using them as triggers, I had no choice. So yeah, that's yeah. But no, to be fair, now as there is still effect because I don't use knives. Like my miss is anyone that knows me that tell you like when I'm when I'm eating my dinners, I don't eat. I don't use a knife. I can I can cut a steak up with a fork. As mad as that sounds, I don't use a knife at all. So, um, so in just little bits, these little bits, it makes me on edge. Knives make me on edge, and that's why when I hear kids talking about knives and they're trying to glorify, even if they're just messing about in a conversation, I've I come down really hard on them because it's not it's not it's not a joke.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and you know, I suppose culturally, I know uh, that, that on Teachers Talk Radio we had we had. Um, uh, Catherine Burblesing on a couple of months ago. She's she's social mobility commissioner in the UK, and she was talking about the impact of culture on kind of you know, I, I guess the way youths would see knives or, or guns or whatever. And I think I think she was referencing Stormzy and you know wearing a wearing a stab vest and all that kind of stuff. And 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 you know um, she you know her view was that this is impacting youth culture uh, in, a, in a in a negative sense. And and that's almost the cause of it. Although the counter argument to that is that other things are the cause of it. And that is just a symptom of the cause. So, I mean, I wondered what your view is in terms of what do you think is the cause behind the increase in knife crime? Because when I was, you know, 13, 14, obviously I didn't grow up in London. So it's a completely different context. I grew up in sunny Birkenhead, car which you know you
2: probably not going to <laughs> visit unless,
0: there you go a, a wonderful place but if you if if you um if you were to 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 kind of think if i was to think back to my age at 13 14 or whatever um i can't remember ever a conversation about knives i can remember actually i can still remember now that somebody in my school actually pulled out a penknife and, I, and 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 so I got a pen knife right now this was this was when knife crime was not in the news at all this was like way and i was really shocked i was like why have, why have you got that now nowadays that's oh somebody's just asked on the chat how old are you now tom i no I'm, i am 36 years old and actually i'm 37 <laughs> in 2 weeks so i don't know how, i don't know how i've got this far to be honest with you but here we are um but but i think i think uh, it, all i'm saying is back then I didn't see that kind of publicity around knife crime. So I'm asking you, what has changed? What is causing this
2: change? Uh, I think number one, poverty. There's no money anywhere anymore. So, you know, you used to have all the, the youth clubs and, you know, activities and stuff for these kids to do and no one's pumping any money into it. So what the kids are just congregating around on the streets, causing absolute chaos. So when that happens... So let's say, I'm not going to say this is all gang related because that would be unfair to say it's not all gang related. You've got different aspects of knife crime and bladed article offences, which could be, you know, like again I say in a song, like domestic violence, you've got terrorism, you've got loads of different aspects of knife crime that you have. But yeah, you have got a high percentage of it, which is based around knife crime. So if you've got gangs and, or gang members or the older gang members that are trying to do recruiting of stuff, if these younger kids haven't got anywhere else to go and they're just congregating on the street. They're easy pickings for people, very, very easy pickings, and that's where they're going to go. And where they're congregating on certain estates, they see the old main guys of the other estates, and they want to be exactly like that. Um, and that's where it's easy to pick them up because they're so easy. They're so easy to to groom in because where you're talking about poverty, parents are going out to make to, to like pay the bills. They're making ends meet just to pay the bills. There's no money for the kids, so they haven't got the next best pair of trainers that that kid at school has got, or they haven't got that, that cope that that person's got and they haven't got this or that. So where else are they going to be able to get that from? Where are they going to get that from? So they're going to be accepting of someone offering them something to go and do it. Like, Oh yeah, I'll give you a hundred pound a week. If you go and sell a little bit of that for me, they're going to agree to it because it's hundred pound a week. I'll take you to JD. I'll get you a brand new pair of trainers. Oh, will you? yeah, yeah, come get your pair of trainers. They think their Christmases have come at once because parents can't pay for that. So I think poverty is a lot to it and, you know, no funding being streamed into the services that they should do.
0: Would the, would the well, I say would the, I suppose the counter argument that you will see to that from the right, for example, or, or, or from others might be, well, um, was there worse poverty in the 70s or 80s, but less uh, youth crime or less problems with with youth crime. That would be their counter argument. They would they would say, you know, that earnings of, I guess, uh, you know, that, that that's what they would say. I suppose to counter that is they would say, well, poverty poverty was worse in the in the seventies and eighties than it is now. So why have we now got a problem with with um, youth violence and youth crime in this in this sense? Now that would be the counter argument. But obviously, I'd, I'd, but generations I'd that to
2: generations it. change. Generations change. Back in the seventies and the eighties, like you know, when when I was a kid, there wasn't so much around knife crime. We'd have a fight with our fists. We'd be punching mm. up with our fists, and the same with when it, you go back to the sixties and the, like the mods and stuff like that. You, like, it's all fists and stuff. Yeah, probably a couple of sticks here and there, but not pulling out the big Rambo machete knives and stabbing each other in the stomach with them. You know, like it's just no. So the generations have changed. And yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not going to blame anything to do with like grime artists and, you know, but when it comes to certain drill musics that, that you listen to, I like the commercial drill music. I'm not going to slate co- commercial drill music at all because some of it I like and I do listen to myself, but some of the drill music that I do listen to. I don't agree with and I don't understand why YouTube even allows it to come on where they're talking about the person they murdered two weeks before, basically hotting themselves up really stupidly anyway, um, putting out there that they've stabbed this person and that person going, shank this one, my up, that, this, that. I don't understand why that stuff's even allowed out on YouTube. It shouldn't be because it is glamorizing that lifestyle. So our generation now seem to be followers of our, the, the generation that we've got growing up. They seem to be followers and they're seeming not to be like, they want to be like themselves, be you as a person. They want to be like others. So where they want to be like others, they're following in that direction. That's why it's getting bad.
0: Right, Carl, stay right there because we are going to go for a little news break now for two minutes because um, I can feel like we're cranking it up, you know, to like <laughs> to proper <laughs> anger levels, you know, like we're <laughs> gradually getting there. So, um yeah. In a couple of minutes, uh, we'll be back and uh, we're going to continue our chat. And um, I want to kind of move it on, I suppose, to, to now a little bit more in terms of what you're doing now and uh, what, what you're going to be doing now and what you're, you're trying to be doing. We've had a few texts in, by the way. Uh, yeah, I can see it, yeah. says, I like Carl. Uh, you're a passionate person, Carl. And, and you have text saying thanks. I feel like I'm in the third person right now. It's quite strange to yeah. say. Stop you texting. Ta-
2: get involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't, I
0: can't. <laughs> but listen, I'll tell you what, we will be back in two minutes after this little, uh, little break and uh, we'll continue, hopefully, continue the conversation.
1: Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy to use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland. Full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today.
3: Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you.
1: This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
4: An all-boys school in St Albans has had its hair and dress codes scrapped by headteacher Julie Richardson, who took up her role last September. Previously, students could be sent home from the Hertfordshire School if their hair was deemed to be extreme in style, colour or length. Ms Richardson is now urging other schools to rethink their uniform policy. She said, it is utter madness to be taking children out of class away from learning just because their hairstyle does not fit in with archaic ideas on dress. It is my view that these rules, inadvertently or not, target students of colour and are not inclusive and discriminatory. This is not the type of school I would like to attend, work in or lead, which is why we have removed all reference to hair in our uniform policy. We want our boys to embrace how their hair grows. Former Education Secretary, Gavin Williamson, has been accused of threatening to withdraw funding for a school in Bury after a former Tory MP considered voting against the government. According to a report for Sky News, Christian Wakeford, who recently defected to the Labour Party, had previously said that he was warned that funding for a new secondary school would be withdrawn if he voted for a motion criticising the government over free school meals. The vote took place in October 2020. In response, Mr Williamson said, I don't have any recollection of the conversation as described, but what I do remember is working tirelessly with Christian and others to deliver this school, which I did. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
1: This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers
5: Talk Radio. Hello, this week we're going to take a look at teaching online. Marmite comes to mind when I think about teaching online. I actually like it, but it's my job and I'm surrounded by gadgets to assist me. A lot of teachers hate it. If you think about it, for 90% of the current population of teachers, delivering a lesson online is something they've not even been trained in they signed up to be in the classroom with a group of pupils. I'm not going to go into the depths of the delivery platform. That's normally a choice that's already made for you by technology leaders in schools. I'm going to give you a couple of free tools that work in a browser so don't need installing and can be used for engagements in the classroom and easily adapted to use online. First up, we all love Kahoot. Did you know you can set a Kahoot to be self-paced rather than live? Simply click the assign button, and you have an instant self-paced quiz for a homework, a starter, or a progress check. If you need to take it online, share the link, and off you go. If you use lots of YouTube clips and websites, check out Wakelet. Share collections of links in a meaningful way, for free. My favourite use for this is to group my YouTube clips for topics. Not only are they played back with less distractions, but I can share a group of links for revision or to flip a lesson. Again, if I have to teach online, one link can lead to many. Just remember to check your school's policy on using websites such as YouTube for online teaching. If you have access to devices in the classroom, why not try Mentimeter? Create interactive presentations, take votes or build word clouds from participants' answers to improve engagement, assess learning and inspire discussion. Or, if you love whiteboards, try whiteboard.fi. As a teacher, you can see all your classes' whiteboards and answers, know who's interacting and who's not. You can even show a QR code for ease of joining. I could go on and on. The idea is to test these things out when you're with your class and there's no pressure. Then, should you need to teach online, you'll feel more comfortable, there'll be fewer issues, and most importantly, you'll see if pupils are engaging. I hope you consider bringing a bit of tech into your classroom. As always, please test things work in your setting before you use them. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was 2 Minute Tech.
1: This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening, everybody. I hope you are well, and
0: thanks for tuning in to Teachers Talk Radio. This Monday evening, we are talking about knife crime prevention. I've been joined by Carl Scott, who is still with me, actually, and will be talking a little bit more imminently about preventing knife crime in schools before talking to Tom Dukes, who is my second guest on Teachers Talk Radio this evening. We are live on Podbean, on our website, on LinkedIn, on YouTube, everywhere. This
1: is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome back to the show,
0: Carl. How are you doing? Are you still with us?
2: Yeah, I'm still here. I'm still listening to the oh, news. Interesting.
0: <laughs> interesting news, wasn't it? And actually, for those people who are uh, watching this, and I know there's some people on, on, on YouTube and, and LinkedIn and so on, um, uh, somebody is actually, uh, Carl, we've got a, a, a question here. Are you going to read out my poem, Carl?
2: from uh, oh, is that eugene, eugene. yes yeah. what are you saying right well um if you want well, to, do to that, be fair you can. i haven't actually got it because if i close the app i won't be able to get, yeah don't don't, don't do that yeah we don't want to do that
0: but
2: I, t- um, I tell you what eugene eugene what i'll do what i'll do is i'll email your poem over to tom so then he can have that poem
0: there you go. Or he could just download the Podbean app and actually call into the show and read the poem himself. I mean, that is something Perfect. that he could do if he wanted to. Um, but yeah, Carl. Just to recap on what we've been uh, talking about so far, we've we've talked about the fact that uh, uh, knife crime is widespread. We've we've talked a little bit about your story and how you uh, uh, came to experience knife crime firsthand, and um, some of the some of the problematic experiences that you had and i just wondered Mm. what are you what have you um because i know you've spent i know you we we talked about this prior to going on i know you've you've experienced that gang culture as well firsthand uh in prison and i wondered what it was like in there compared to out there
2: (laughs) (laughs) well so to be fair to be that's a tough
0: question i'm full um, of
2: them yeah (laughs) uh Prison, prison, prison is how you make it. So, you know, like it is it is very inconvenient, obviously, but, you know, you have to be, uh, you have to be put in there to, for the crimes that you've committed and, you know, take full responsibility for that, etc. But the thing is what, what I do try and say to kids is if, if the worst thing happens and whatever you do does put you into prison, just remember that whoever you've upset outside, and they're involved in the same stuff that you're obviously involved in, you're also going to bump into them in there. But the difference is you can't run anywhere when you're inside. So all your uh, nightmares will probably come at once. Um, But the thing is, I think that, you know, when it comes to gangs and stuff inside, you do get asked who you're affiliated with uh, once you go in. So they know where where to put you and where not to put you, you know. But a lot of people don't admit that they're in gangs when they go into jail. Um, and then you know they get put on a wing, and someone's on there that they've upset outside. <laughs> so you know, yeah. What what would you say to a student? Because we've
0: got a lot of teachers, obviously, listening to this, mm. watching this. <clears throat> what and, and and you've 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 seen this firsthand. But what what would your advice to them be? Not just the teachers, but also the kids. I mean, what would you say to the kids and to the teachers if they are feeling worried about a student? getting involved in a gang what what would your advice be to the teacher but also what would you say to a student who was saying well you know what I'm in a gang I mean what what do you say to them to kind of turn them away from that path I mean what kind of things would you say to them to turn them away from that path
2: I'd, i well, the student. I'd give a lot of grisly stories to of uh, of what I've actually seen, and I'm, I'm sure any stories that I can say would actually ring true to some of these kids anyway. Um, I've been there, done it. I've been one of the older people with the younger kids as well. So it, you know, there's, it's not nice, but some of these kids where they where they get involved in it, but they don't actually want to get involved in it. Um, but they see no other way out from getting involved in it because they're scared and, you know, they get a lot of scaremongering going on with it as well. Um, but I'm not going to say all of them do, you know, because a lot of them enjoy being in a gang for some mad reason. But um, but like I said to you at the beginning, it's like a sense, you get, you're getting that sense of fulfillment. It's like a family. Like, it's a family outside than what you have indoors. So you're not seeing Unless you're doing all your little gang signs and stuff and your postcodes and, and whatever, you know, you're affiliated actually, yeah, I'm with a gang. Um, but the ones that actually don't affiliate like that and they're just crowded, you're just seen as friends. So they would not class it as being in a gang. But I, I, I always sit there and tell my personal stories because I've got a lot of stories that, that's enough to put anyone off, to be fair, and if it doesn't put, off, put you off for getting involved, you're nuts, you're, you're mad if you want to get involved in that. Um, teachers so with teachers it's really hard to approach right so i'm i'm not judgmental with teachers and stuff and you know uh, a lot of kids it depends you well, you better haven't you co- be Carl, because you're on nah, teachers talk radio, so you're gonna you're gonna have i'm sorry people
3: you're gonna
2: be <laughs> <laughs> no, what i'm trying to say what i'm trying to say is there's 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 an a lot of kids gel with certain people and obviously at school you're gonna have a set teacher that you really really do gel with um so the kid is more likely to listen to the key teacher that they gel with. Um, so if there's a, a, another teacher that's separate to that, that the relationship is a little bit on off with that, with that young person, find out what teacher they actually do gel with and, uh, you know, let that teacher know that, look, I've got a couple of worries about Joe Blogs. We think that he might be getting involved in something. Just by a couple of sentences that he's come up that's a little bit concerning. Would you mind having a little chat? And then pass it on to someone that they've actually got a bit of a uh, a bit of a rapport with, because your outcome for that's probably going to be a lot better. Um, I mean, with me, for example, i like I say, I'm from the street. So when I had my job in a secondary school, my approach was me basically. I didn't I didn't try to be anything that I wasn't. I haven't been to university. I haven't even got any GCSEs because of the lifestyle that I led. So everything that I've learned of how to approach things. I've learned by myself really. Um, I mean, professionally wise, I did work, I worked on a, an early intervention program that Sussex police set up. Um, and I was on that program for about two years, which I was going in and out of schools, running workshops and doing one-to-ones with different kids That's that was bad. classed at that point. They were, they was classed at that point of early intervention, you know, so it started from like 11 to 17. Um, So that there really built up my expertise with having employment, you know, like acting professional and, you know, the buzzwords and stuff, things you can say, things you can't say. Um, So that kind of gave me a lot of experience on that point of it. But I brought to that job my life experience. So that's why I was so successful in the work that I did. And I worked with over 77 kids and only four of them didn't make the program. So a lot of them did well and the crime rate in our area for that, for you know, for ASB and for diversions into positive activities, it, it went down really well. So, um, yeah, that's basically all I can say with the teacher thing. Really, I think it's just listening. I, I think with teachers, it'd do, I think it'd do you well with doing a lot, a lot more training around county lines and gangs and stuff, and knowing about key words because ch- words change constantly. Like words for weed and l- words for heroin and words for knives mm. and stuff. all these words change, and a good project that can help you with that is the St Giles Trust. Um, and they were set up by, uh, by a gang member and stuff. So they're all basically ex-gang members. So I think like 78% of them are all ex-gang members. So that project's brilliant. They do a lot of training. I've done a couple of training with myself personally, even though I know about it all, but it's always good to keep yourself wrapped up with uh, a lot of the new comings with the kids.
0: Yeah, that's a great shout. I mean, I've not heard about that. I'm sure all the listeners who are listening now or listening back have heard of that. But um, it sounds like a really good I know that Tom's going to come on and we will talk about the teaching resources side of things. So we will talk a little bit about how how we can actually talk and teach about knife crime. Um, So, yeah, so, Carl, I mean, I've watched I mean, I want I want to really give you a little plug in terms of your Stuff on your kind of YouTube and your Instagram because I watched the video that you did in in a school, of your talk in a school, and it was it was really impactful. And I would recommend that people do have a watch of it because um, it, it it is it is really good. And you know the kids seem to respond well. I mean, did they respond well to your talk? I mean, did did any of them come up to you afterwards and say anything to you? Or
2: yeah, I had. Um... <clears throat> So that so basically the plug where we he was just talking about so like if you type in "Col Scott knife crime" it will come up straight away. Um, it's like a cartoony picture of me stood behind like an anti knife crime sign. Um, yeah, it did, it, it did, it did, it did. To be fair, I think a good workshop is where you're stood in front of kids and they're not saying a thing and they're just staring at you. That sounds like my lessons, that Col.
0: Don't don't talk about
2: my (laughs) lessons publicly, please. We talked about this before. All right. But that means they're listening, okay? That means they're listening. So if they're listening, that's good. If they're talking to their friend next to them and having little whispers in their ears, they're not paying attention. And not one kid did that for the whole workshop that I did. Um, There was a couple of kids at the back that was, you know, dressed in the, the... the, the hood rich uh, hoodies and stuff that they was wearing. Like I call them chavy tracksuits, but they was wearing <laughs> them, the, you know. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I thought, you know, I, I'll kind of, every time I'm doing a little bit of a conversation about certain things, because I'm not someone that judges a book by, by, by its cover, but their attitude told me exactly what they do. So I, I basically kind of looked at them on a few of occasions. And surprisingly, when it come to the end and it was time to ask questions, they asked the questions so um so that was good so what i was setting out to do at that point it actually paid off because they was asking questions they come up to me they shook my well i'll tell a lie they didn't shook my hand they spotted me like respect you know so i i kind of had to do it back then i do you know what i mean so um but yeah it was really really good you know thanks to um hitching uh, hitching college hertfordshire they, they uh got a, a lady called vicky that i uh, did a live on my instagram with um got me hooked up with that and uh, i've got a cameraman and stuff so I, I thought i'd turn it into a little educational information video kind of thing and just bang it out there and put it on i wrote a bit of a rap song to it i can't rap but it's not about the rapping it's about the words that's, that's awesome. in the song um and i basically put everything relevant on it but what you was talking about at the start with about ava white the, the poor girl that was killed at christmas lights with john um yeah. i've I, I have used that I've got a couple of news articles at the end of the song. Uh, one from Birmingham, um, uh, the, the MP that was that was stabbed, the David, he was stabbed, and yeah. then I used Ava, I used Ava White as well because they're just getting younger. It's just crazy. Um, so I just thought that would be really impactful in the song if I did use like news articles. It makes people listen. It's a shocking tactic, um, and the words that I used, they were all real words. It's all about media, telev- uh, the media is quick to televise, but they ain't doing anything to help stop it. You know, the amount of money that these companies, the Sun, the Daily Mirror, all these newspapers, they could pump loads of money into our communities, but instead they just televise the stabbings that have happened and they're not doing much about it. And that's why I've used the, the words that I used in the song, just to make it more impactful, really.
0: Carl, it, it's been absolutely
2: fantastic chatting
0: to you. We could go on and on and on. Um, it's It's been brilliant. Um just can you give everyone a shout? I know we've already kind of mentioned it, but just in case anybody wants to get in touch with you or, or whatever, is where, where can they find you? What can they do? Oh, uh, so my,
6: into?
2: yeah, well, my, my Instagram, my Instagram's Scott Official, is it's, as it says on there, and I do I do respond, I do respond to as, as many people as I can. I'm so busy with different talks that I do and um, and filming etc. I've got a part two by the way coming out for that YouTube thing, so there will be a part two. I'll be going around a few prisons that I've been in. Um, and I've, got, I've even got an interview with my auntie as well to tell a bit about my life. Wow. As well, so that'd be interesting. Yeah. So it was a push getting her on, but she's agreed. So that's good. Um, well, I, th- I think yeah. we need
0: to get you. I think the next time you come on here,
2: we need you and your auntie on here and,
6: and me, and I, I can <laughs> yeah. interview both of you. That's, that's yeah, what
2: that'd need. be fun. Yeah, um, but no, yeah, Instagram, Colescott Official. Um, yeah, it's there, it's an open page, it's my business page. That's where I do all my stuff Instagram lives, etc., with loads of different people in the community. Um, and my YouTube's Colescott Official as well. But for the actual documentary, it's Colescott Knife Crime, and that should come up straight away.
0: Carl, thanks ever so much for giving up your time on uh, to come on here. It's been uh, it's a oh, really welcome. good chat and I will speak to you again at some point in the future. That was Carl and uh, that was Carl talking about his experience of knife crime in his community and actually growing up. I want I just want to say thanks to everybody who is listening to this live on TTR.org. Uh, we've had a message in there from Eugene saying absolute top man Scott Highly inspirational man. I don't think we can disagree with that. Um, I'm very inspired by Carl just from listening to him there for 45 minutes in terms of uh, what he, what he's been through in his life and how he's come through from that and what he's trying to do now um, to make a difference to uh, to people. So uh, absolutely fantastic and a, a brilliant brilliant interview. Um, and we've had lots of comments and I'm sure that um, that Carl will see those on Podbean. And I'm sure everyone listening back, if you're listening back to this as a podcast, then obviously feel free to get in touch with us at Teachers Talk Radio. It's at Teachers Talk Radio at gmail.com. And, and we will forward on any messages that you might have if you happen to, to not have social media and you're, you're, um, you're just listening back as a podcast. And by the way, if you are uh, listening to this live on, on Podbean, we're not just live on Podbean mobile audio today. We're also live on YouTube, on LinkedIn, and on Twitter. And you can find us at TT Radio 2022 on Twitter. You can watch this there. You can watch it on LinkedIn. And I know we've got plenty of people who are tuning into that and will be watching it back as well on there. So if that's you, thank you for watching this back. Um, and I hope you you enjoyed and got a lot out of that interview. Um, I'm now going to be joined, hopefully, by my second guest. And that is Tom. Uh, good evening, Tom. Hello, can you hello? I can hear you perfectly well. How are you this evening? um very well thanks how are you doing good excellent uh I'm glad I am doing very well i, I it's a difficult topic uh as you know. I'm sure you know uh, I'll let you introduce <laughs> yourself in a minute yeah I'll let you introduce yourself in a minute um It's a tough topic to to cover. I think Carl's done a fantastic job, but I wanted to bring you on here to maybe offer a different perspective, which is very much from the educational side of things in terms of, um, you know, zo- zooming in, if you like, on on what teachers can do in the classroom. You know, we've, we've looked at the impact of knife crime, what, what knife crime is, the figures, the statistics. So what can we actually do about it? But I thought before we get on to that, do you want to just introduce yourself to the listeners on, on Teachers Talk Radio?
6: Sure. Thank you very much for having me. Um, so my name is Tom Jukes and I'm the regional manager for a charity called the Ben Kinsella Trust. Um, the Ben Kinsella Trust was set up following um, the murder of Ben, uh, which took place in 2008. And we exist as a charity to educate and empower young people um, on knife crime, um, giving them knowledge, awareness Um, and enabling them to kind of make choices to keep themselves safe. Uh, And also we campaign for justice in action for those affected by knife crime uh, and have done so successfully for many, many years. Um, And we have been successful in getting um, a few key bits of legislation through Parliament, uh, through our campaigning work, Um, most notably a law which is called Ben's Law, which raised the minimum sentence for knife related murder to 25 years. Um, So that's who we work for, uh, who I work for, sorry. Um, And yeah, in terms of where we are today, we have three permanent exhibition sites, um, at which we run our choices and consequences workshops, which are anti knife crime workshops. Uh, And we use the stories Uh, of not just Ben but other young people as well so that young people can kind of live and breathe and walk through the footsteps of victims of knife crime and offenders of knife crime um, and have a really unique and kind of immersive experience um, to hopefully challenge and offer a counter-narrative to some of the um, myths that they might uh, believe when it comes to knife crime. So that's who we are, that's where we've come in about uh, I don't know, 12 13 years and what's your role at the bank seller trust um so i'm the regional manager so um i should kind of preface everything that i say today that i do have a very london centric uh view of knife crime uh, i'm sorry to say um and that's because i am based in london so i manage all of our operations across uh, at the moment our two london sites we've got one in islington and then one over in East London in Barking and Dagenham. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I
0: might actually. I mean, I know Carl is is still with us actually. And um, what I w- what I might do uh, later on, if he's still about, is um, is bring him back in uh, just to ask you if if, he, if he's got any questions for you. But certainly yeah. from my from from my perspective, I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, who who Ben Kinsella was. You mentioned this terrible tragic incident happened in 2008 but you know sometimes we don't necessarily hear as much about you know the lives of the victims of these crimes we we tend to hear about the crime itself and what happened and and, and we tend to get actually very little on the victims sometimes in terms of who they were
6: as people yeah uh, absolutely I think you know in many ways we you know we are becoming a little bit desensitized to Knife crime. Uh, we, we're constantly looking at statistics and names in a newspaper, but when you actually uncover some of the stories behind those uh, behind those names, it you know it really brings to light how much of a serious issue it is. Um, ben was a average, regular, normal for want of a better word, teenager from Islington. Um, he was not dissimilar from most teenagers. You know, he had his friends, his hobbies. Um, and on uh, in June 2008, Ben and his friends were out celebrating the end of their GCSE exams. So he was 16 years old. And on that night, uh, there was a group of older boys who had had some sort of altercation earlier that evening uh which we know was actually nothing to do with ben and his friends but anyway they they ran up to ben and his friends outside a pub um his friends ran off but for some reason ben stopped running and um when he did so the older boys caught up with him and stabbed him to death um so very much a you know completely senseless attack as so many of these uh, attacks are um and yeah that was that was the end of his life and you know he left behind like most if not all you know knife crime victims uh, a whole family uh, and friends and community who were grieving um so the short answer to your question is ben was a pretty normal teenage boy from from islington in london uh, and uh, after his murder, his family um, decided that they wanted to do something to kind of keep his legacy alive uh, and also so so that, you know, no other family would have to go through what they've been through. Um, and they set up the Ben Kinsella Trust. And her, Ben's sister, Brooke Kinsella, a lot of people listening may be familiar with because she was actually at the time in EastEnders. I remember. Yeah, Yeah. I remember. Um, So having quite a kind of high profile, uh, you know, public facing job, um, she obviously used that platform to uh, really highlight this issue um, of knife crime. The year that Ben was murdered, um, Ben was the 17th teenager in London to be murdered in 2008. Uh, And there were 29 teenagers murdered in 2008 in London. Uh, And as I'm sure... Most, if if not all of the people listening, saw the news. Uh, At the tail end of last year, it was 30. Um, So it's broken the record. And that's just deaths. I mean, presumably there's
0: a lot of other incidents involving knives that we don't hear about or don't result in
6: fatalities. Well, exactly. I mean, in the 12 months to June 2021, there were over 4,000 hospital admissions um for injuries as a result of a, a knife or, or a sharp article so yeah that that is just teenage deaths in one place in london um so beyond that i, I think uh, in 2021 there are 122 um knife related murders in london yeah
0: yeah so it's, it's a huge number when you think about it i mean I suppose when you, I don't know what. I'd be interested to know in the US, you know, we've got a huge problem with guns, haven't they?
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, and
0: you know, um, I, I, God willing, that won't spread to here in a sense that you know, guns replace knives. I'm not saying that guns are better than knives, by the way, but just that you know, there. there I suppose in the US, they might look at that and say, well, we've got a massive problem with guns. Uh, I mean, what, what what is what is this thing about? Why has knife crime? emerged since the 2000s or has it always been there but we haven't reported it you know what's what's, it seems to have got a lot more publicity is it because of 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 gangs you know is it the prevalence of gangs now whereas before it wasn't I mean what's what's changed
6: Uh, I'm going to I'm going to directly contradict what you've just said tom please do that
0: please do tom that's what you <laughs> i talk a lot of rubbish on here
6: so <laughs> no not at all <laughs> and i'm gonna say that actually knife crime is not something that's recently emerged um it's definitely you know come to the forefront you know of our kind of media channels it's definitely a for one of a better phrase you know hot topic at the moment but if you look at the statistics over the last 10 to 15 years it's been a constant problem in our society Um, yes there are certain drivers of knife crime that are dissimilar to other types of criminality and yes there have been increases uh, it's quite hard at the moment to tell when you look at the data because covid the covid pandemic has just completely skewed everything yeah. um but this is a result of many things including you know over a decade now of you know cuts to um budgets which have affected youth services uh which have affected have you know taken opportunities away from young people um to pursue something positive in their life um but yeah there are there are drivers which are um more a bit more nuanced when it comes to knife crime particularly around things like social media um certain types of uh, music which really glamorize the use of knives which glamorize violence um so yeah, social media has a huge part to play in it, which I guess, yeah, we didn't have that 20 years ago, did we? Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I've just seen the, the comment that you've put up hmm. on the screen, which says, you know, that knives are so easily purchased, which is true. Um And, you know, despite the fact that it is illegal for any retailer shop to sell a knife to a person under 18, Mm -hmm. um, we know, and there have been cases where this has happened, and, and, you know, big brands have been um, dragged through the courts for doing this, uh, which is a deterrent, uh, but it still happens. and And there are people online wanting to make, you know, a quick quick bit of cash um, and can list themselves on a big e-commerce platform and, you know, yeah, it probably will get taken down after a certain period of time, but yeah, it's too late by that point. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: yeah, easily available um, and obviously in, in unfortunately, and seems to be, you know, seems to be growing. I mean, as we've said, it was a record year last year. Now, in terms of the work that you do, so we know now who who Ben who Ben was, and and you know what what you do, but I wondered, can you give us some examples of what you've done since two thousand and eight to try and stop more knife crime happening? What what are you
6: actually doing? Um, so the, our kind of flagship program is what we call our Choices and Consequences um, program, which is essentially a workshop which takes place in a purpose-built exhibition um and you know it i can say with a lot of confidence that it is completely unique in terms of um tackling knife crime so where, when our trust was uh, established um uh, ben's family uh, kind of spearheaded by brooke kinsella did a huge amount of research into what was out there, what services were out there to tackle knife crime. And when it came to sort of intervention or early intervention programs, we found that there were actually a huge number of very, very good high quality services that would surround themselves around a young person when they'd kind of started to go down the wrong path, which was fantastic. Um, So we thought, okay, well, what we want to do going forward is something that's actually preventative. um, You know, Just in the same way that in schools across the country, you know, there's over recent decades been a huge push to have lessons on things like financial literacy and, you know, how to get a loan and things like that, which, you know, I certainly didn't have when I was younger. Um, We need to take the same public health approach to the issue of knife crime because it is an issue which is so harmful to society. So that's what we set out to do. And one of the key inspirations behind the Bank and Seller Trust's work was actually the Touring and Frank Museum, uh, which a lot of people might be surprised to hear. And um, what that experience uh, allowed people to do was to walk through the footsteps of Anne Frank uh, and her family, and to experience and live what that was like for them to be living in, you know, occupied. Holland. Um, So we wanted to see if we could try and create the same experience with knife crime. And that's exactly what we did. So when young people walk, you know, through our exhibition spaces, um, and take part in our workshops, they uh, will make their way through a series of different kind of immersive rooms, they will obviously learn about Ben um, mm. and his life and his family. We have um, really interactive places, some of which, you know, include a mock prison cell. We use actors, um, so we don't really shy away from from the topic or the subject, but we do try and deliver something which is impactful, um, unique, and all, but also kind of trauma informed. Um, which I'm sure we'll come onto this later in terms of you know. What approaches we don't agree with uh, and, that, and that's something that kind of informs our work making sure that it, it's done um, in the right way and doesn't instill a sense of fear in young people because that's really the last thing that we would ever want to do uh, and and it doesn't work and, and and we know that you know fear is is one of the key drivers of, of any area of criminality and especially knife crime
0: how does knife crime impact families in particular of, of victims and 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 also of perpetrators i yeah. mean what 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 because i i don't know if i'm honest how how the, what the impact is i mean obviously you've got grief and so on but i i don't know you yeah. tell me What is i the mean
6: impact? you know i i only know to a to a certain extent you know i i do work for the banking and Sell trust i i know and have met Ben's family and we do also work with other families as well um, to kind of co-create some of our educational uh, resources and spaces Um, but I myself you know luckily uh, you know I've never had a a close family member or friend even um, be uh, you know die from a knife crime attack I have had friends who've been attacked with a knife Um, but yeah how does it affect families well from my experience of, of speaking with those who have been affected by it, it's it's just so lasting. It's just, you know, Ben Ben was murdered uh, you know, 13, 14 years ago. In fact, last year, he, he would have been 30 years old. Um, and for his family, and he's just one person, um, it's had such a lasting effect. Um, it's something that never goes away. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's the ripple effect of crime. You know, it's not just Ben. It's not just his immediate family. It's not just his friends. It's maybe stops at his, you know, local community. But, you know, once that happens a few times over, it's it's systemic. It just goes beyond that. It creates, you know, um, this kind of national sense of of fear almost, which, you know, it's a vicious cycle. I was Um, going to
0: ask you actually just to cut in there, because I know you work with kids and whatever doing these workshops. I mean, do many of them express fear about going out and all that kind of stuff? Because I know we've seen that in the in the recent articles with the BBC and so on. They, they have talked about this in terms of yep. kids saying this and that. But does that apply around the country or, or is that – would you say that's more a London-centric thing? I mean um... –
6: I yes it it does apply around the country. Um there's definitely a heightened sense of fear of knife crime in London because you know if you look at the figures it, it it does happen it's massively disproportionate when you look at the stats from London compared to anywhere else but having said that knife crime is a national issue and there's very very few corners of the UK that haven't been touched by it. Um so do young people express a sense of fear? Yes. Um, so at the Ben Kinsella Trust, we work with thousands of young people, not just in London. We also have a permanent site up in Nottingham as well, in partnership with the National Justice Museum. Um, and we, we, um, ask every single young person who comes to our space through an anonymous survey, um, whether or not they are worried or anxious about knife crime uh, in their local area. And there's a very, very high proportion of young people that say that they are, uh, and we know even further that if a young person is fearful of knife crime that they are far more likely to have uh, to to state to admit that they have carried or have thought about carrying a knife so fear is a huge driver of um, carrying a knife and if you were to ask you know any young person and I mean young down to you know sort of a primary aged, you know, you're five, six, um, why young a young person might choose to carry a knife, they have a very, very clear sense that it's to protect uh, yourself, um, which sounds like a very simple statement but you have to really dissect that and think about that very very carefully as you know as an adult as a teacher or a practitioner that you know we've arrived at a place in society where the vast majority and i mean the vast majority 99 percent uh, will quite easily come to that conclusion that a not carrying a knife carrying a dangerous weapon um is perfectly acceptable if it is to protect you um and that's kind of one of the key myths around knife carrying, really, you know, that a knife will protect you. We know from the stats that it will, it does the exact opposite. It puts your life in danger. If you carry a knife and try to use that knife against somebody, you are more likely, you know, there's a 51 plus percent chance that that knife will actually be used against you. Uh, and, and it is in reality, it's way higher than 51%, but you are more likely to have that used against you. Um, so, uh, those kind of myths, and they are myths, are kind of what, you know, perpetuate this um, acceptance of knife carrying. And at the Banking Cell Trust, that's, you know, that we're trying to create um, peer values that will, you know, completely eradicate knife ca- uh, carrying. And you make it, you know, completely unacceptable within any peer group to mm. to carry a knife. Mm. Yeah, uh, th- that makes perfect sense, everything you've,
0: everything you've said there. Um, we're going to, literally two minutes, just uh, listen to some messages from our wonderful supporters of Teachers Talk Radio. So uh, we'll be back in two minutes, uh, Ben, where I want to ask you next about teaching in school about knife crime. So the do's and don'ts, maybe uh, have a think about some resources that teachers could use and how they could approach it in the classroom and and even beyond the classroom as well, maybe some projects that you know of and and so on and so forth so absolutely brilliant chat so far really enjoyed it and we'll uh, we'll be back in, in 2 minutes
1: Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy to use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland. Full, free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today.
3: Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you.
0: Hello and welcome back to Teacher's Talk radio with me uh, Tom Rogers and we are live as usual on the late show this Monday night. Um standing in for Emily Run show who will be back uh in February at some point with her usual 8 p.m. uh late show. Uh, I'm not sure where I'll be going. Maybe I don't know. Maybe the morning, maybe a midweek morning, I don't know. I'll I'll fit in somewhere. I'll go somewhere. Um but yeah, but we, we are really looking forward to, to Emily returning. and thanks very much to everybody who was tuned in this evening, especially Miss Sausha, because I know she's liked the show up 50 times. so I'm glad you're enjoying this show, Miss Saucia. I really, really appreciate that. And I am joined still by my wonderful guest, uh, Be- uh, Tom, not Ben., <laughs> no, not, 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 not Ben. Um, don't don't worry.
6: The the amount of emails I receive, phone calls I get where I'm addressed as Ben, I'm used to it. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: we've got we we have been joined by Tom from, from the Ben Kinsella Trust. And Tom has been talking to us very kindly about how teachers can approach the teaching of knife crime in school to with a view to preventing it from happening. So we've talked a little bit about the background to Uh, well, Ben himself and the setting up of the foundation and what the problems are. So let's move on to actually what teachers can do about this and what you think. So I I thought I'd start by asking, is there a general approach that you think works in schools when it comes from your experience, when it comes to preventing knife crime?
6: Um, I think the key thing to start off with is plan to talk about knife crime <laughs> you know it sounds simple but um it wasn't you know, it's not really until the last five to ten years where you know we would even be having this conversation so um just in the same way that schools are so fantastic and teachers are so dedicated to you know creating responsible citizens uh you know they want to Students to walk out of their school and and you know part, take part in civic society in so many different ways. Um, that you know knife knife crime prevention is now and should really be quite high up the agenda when it comes to um, you know PHSE lessons or you know uh, uh, anything like that. Um, so that that'd be my first thing. You know, I'd plan to talk about it. You know, secondly, yeah, there's definitely. Um, some difficult topics within it, and it's important to acknowledge that um, and understand the the drivers. Um, like I've said already, you know, one of the key drivers of, of knife crime is fear. Um, so, you know, be very mindful of that. You try and try and kind of set the scene, uh, which you know it is a very serious problem, but. You know, we know from the national data and also from the data that we gather, actually the vast majority of young people have never and will never carry a knife. And it's worth remembering that Um, in our work at the Bank and Trust, everything that we do, um, we try to do in a very kind of open, safe place um you know we allow young people to ask us whatever they want you know there's no silly questions um and understand that we will give them you know an honest answer and we never ever want to be kind of pointing the finger at a young person and saying don't do this or don't do that uh i'm sure you know uh lots of teachers will kind of a- agree with that that you know when I was a kid, if someone told me to do something, then I wouldn't. And if they told me not to, then I would. Um, So just kind of equipping young people with the facts on knife crime, but in a kind of trauma informed way, and in a way that doesn't cause a sense of fear or panic, um, because that will just, you know, make the the problem worse. Um, The other kind of general approach that we have at the Banking Seller Trust is to try and provide an experience that young people can have an emotional or an empathetic response to um that's so important in the way that we deliver our work so that might be you know a real life story you know we, like we like we've heard from carl today mm-hmm. um or that might be you know through an experience uh, you know there are so lots of other workshops out there, but for example, one of the things that you can do if you are based in London or in Nottingham is come and visit, you know, the bank, one of the banking seller trusts exhibitions. And if you're located in certain boroughs, they're fully funded and free of charge. And, you know, there is nothing, nothing else really that will kind of provide such an immersive and experiential way of learning about knife crime. Um, so that's, uh, uh, something that ov- obviously I, w- I would <laughs> recommend. Uh, but in terms of general approaches, I think, yeah, to sum up, just talk about it, make, make, make it part of the culture in your school that you can talk about serious issues, acknowledge mm. that it's um, difficult and sometimes scary to talk about, um, ensure that anything that you do does not kind of instill fear in young people um and then you'll be kind of off to a good start um and finally all i would add is tackle the myths first (laughs) um you know the myth that a knife crime that carrying a knife will protect you it's just not true you can you know find lots of interesting data and infographics online that is categorically not true it puts your life in more danger um so, those would be kind of my overarching principles when it comes to kind of dealing and tackling with knife crime. Yeah.
0: And in terms of, I, I mean, I wanted to ask you that that makes perfect sense in terms of overarching principles. What about resources specifically? I mean, are there any resources that you point to in terms of? Uh, somebody actually in the chat has mentioned UNICEF, which I hadn't even thought of, to be honest with you, in terms of resources for mm. tackling knife crime. But is, there, is there, are there any resources that you point to in your sessions that you think are, are good for teachers to use?
6: Um, I mean, working for the Benkensel Trust, I'll obviously have to mention our <laughs> <laughs> online Please resources. Please do. Um, yeah, uh, absolutely. So there are resources out there. Um, I guess if you have, like I said, it, you know, if you are in one of those areas where, where we work, please use us as a resource because, you know, in one of those resources includes our, you know, workshops, which, like I said, are free to many schools, depending on your location. And they are, you know, like like nothing else that I've, you know, I've worked in this sector for 10 years and I've never seen anything so unique when it comes to knife crime. Um So that is a resource that you can and should access if you are in one of those locations. Um, If you're not, then uh, we at the Banking Kinsel Trust have a um, whole range of different online resources for teachers and practitioners, for parents and for young people. Um, So if you are wanting to recommend some of the um, uh, resources to young people, we have our KnifeWise app, which is always a good starting point um, for uh tackling and busting some of the myths around knife crime that's a really good kind of quick tool to talking i'm just going to cut in there uh Mm -hmm.
0: uh, because we've had a comment here which i think is an interesting one talking about myths uh eugene has said people are very quick to point the fingers at the parents but it's not necessarily the lack of love and support within the home um but the overwhelming influence outside the home i'm wondering whether you agree or disagree with that or whether you think there's some truth in that or or what
6: um yes i think that is i'd say that's entirely true i don't think you mm. know uh, the, the way in which a young person becomes involved in knife crime is often kind of uh, you know they will often follow a similar path um but it very often comes out completely out of the blue <laughs> um for not just that young you know that young person's parents but all the other kind of responsible adults in their life um and that's because it's something that can happen so easily especially if young people have never had a conversation about it have never been told you know what these myths are around knife carrying um yeah. so yeah i've i've i know and you know i've worked with a few uh, parents who've lost children to knife crime even and um yeah never saw it coming ever um, we we do kind of have this idea that, you know, knife crime is primarily fueled by um, gangs, county lines, that sort of thing, mm, mm. which obviously it is. Mm. Um, but that that's not always the case. Definitely not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that answered that one. Um, what other. So you talked a bit about mitsa, Sorry, we cut you off there. That's but right. um, uh, that was a good point, I thought, to to interject. Yep. But what other myths are there then um, that that we kind of we need to avoid, or teachers need to avoid?
6: Um, so in terms of things to avoid, um... or let's not say myth. Let's just things things teachers shouldn't do. <laughs> Basically, okay. in your view, um, I think you know teachers should uh, obviously you know, understand and recognise that there's only so much they can do. And, you know, there are certain young people, especially if they've really started to take several steps down that path, that they, you know, just will not be able to reach. And there's other very, you know, interventionist services that they need to tap into and refer into. Um, Generally, like I said earlier, it's about not instilling fear. Um, One of the key um uh bits of research that is going on at the minute which has been commissioned by the violence reduction unit is into the use of the image of knives um, and this kind of happened as a result of um i think the metropolitan police who'd published over two thousand images of knives in one year on their social media channels um, and uh, several authorities and bodies have said, you know, this, this needs to stop. Uh, we understand that, you're, you know, you're trying to show, look, you know, all these knives have been seized, but all it does is create, uh, you know, fear amongst people and just feeds into the problem in the first place. Um, so like I said, you know, it, it's really important to, to you know, set a, give a bit of perspective when it comes to knife crime. Um, and just make young people understand that it is a preventable, um, avoidable situation. No one is born carrying a knife. It's a choice. And, you know, that choice has consequences to it. Um, but certainly not, you know, don't want to be scaring kids. I know, you know, I know, um, yeah it is important to not shy away from it and to share kind of real and authentic stories with young people so that they you know, understand what the impact is, but in a kind of trauma informed way.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the teenagers in London in this report said um, we tried to sugarcoat it, but they are already exposed to all of this. So we shouldn't sugarcoat it anymore um, in terms of, um, I mean, they're talking specifically there about incidents of involving knife crime. And she was talking this girl specifically about how her brother um, bled to death, um, and it meant by her explaining it in in I guess detail that they understood the consequences more. That's her argument, anyway. By by not um, by speaking quite brutally um, about it, and um, I mean, do you agree or disagree with that? Because that's obviously somebody uh, who's there. And we've got had another question as well on top of that from. Um, uh, from Joe, which I think is a very, very good question. Um, this is on YouTube, by the way, for everybody listening on listening on the app. And Joe's put a, a question there through YouTube. But how young would you say is a good age to start talking about knife crime? So I suppose part A, uh, approach of being quite brutal about the truth, uh, is that good? And part B, how young is the right age
6: to start talking about knife crime? Um, being brutal about the truth, uh, I'd maybe... Rephrase that. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that yeah. usually Being... happens with me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I understand what you mean. Yeah. It's not as it's not a um, an issue that we can shy away from. And you know, at the Bank of Cell Trust, we, we do not. We are a, we are purely focused on eradicating knife crime. We spend every single day of our lives. You know, all our wonderful team talking in detail about how knife injuries affect the body how dangerous they are you know we we do not shy away from it we talk you know it's part of our you know the way that our organization works when we talk about ben we never say you know he lost his life you know we're very clear on it he was murdered he was stabbed to death so i do agree with that it does need you do need to take a a direct approach but you also need to create a safe space in which young people feel um uh, in some ways positive that they Uh, have, uh, you know, that they are able to make their own decisions that will keep themselves and their friends safe. Um, So in terms of describing incidents of knife attacks in graphic detail, it's shocking. Absolutely. Uh, I guess you'd have to ask yourself, you know, how would that young person feel by the end of it? And unless they feel empowered, you know, with some facts and some knowledge, then I'd maybe you know not take that approach um so that was that that's uh being very careful about what what I say because I, I do know exactly what what the, your listener means I do know you can't shy away yeah. from it um yeah. and then to answer the question um from Joe how uh, young would you say is a good age to start talking about knife crime I mean from a very young age you know uh six, seven, eight years old, you can start having conversations with young people at an age appropriate level about how to keep themselves safe. Definitely. Um, at the banking seller trust, the key ages that we really, really target are, are those kind of upper primary, lower secondary ages. Um, this is obviously when you know, children are going through a huge change in their life, changing their peer groups, their location you know they're given more independence they start to get things like mobile phones access to social media but most importantly it's where they are more likely to to you know succumb to peer pressure um, so that's why a huge focus of our work is around those peer values and peer relationships um, so yeah i guess you know it you can start having useful conversations with young people about their own personal safety from a very young age um, and we have you know age appropriate but very s- serious and valuable conversations with nine and ten year old children sometimes about mm. knives and about mm. knife crime
0: mm. One of our listeners has texted in again through through the app, just saying that um year five, well at least for London in my experience, the amount of year seven boys carrying knives is unbelievable. Um, which is scary, isn't it? Really. Um, I mean, what, when you must do like survey when you go in and say who's carried a knife, I'm guessing the figures are yeah. probably quite stark,
6: um, or not? No, they're not. Uh, yeah, I, I think for any you know, as as an adult, as especially as you know, someone who works in the youth sector as a teacher, of course, to us it would be sh- shocking if a 11, 12 year old child was carrying a knife. Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but like I said it's about perspective um we understand that the vast majority of young people that we work with have never and probably never will carry a knife Mm -hmm. and that's the point you know everything that we do is supposed to be preventative um so yeah I mean in I've had instances in in previous roles where you know I've come across a Primary age school ch- uh, child, for example, who was carrying a, a butterfly knife, which is um, a you know, single blade with two handles that kind of fold in on each yeah, other. Yeah, I know and, what you mean. Um, you know, th- that child had no idea that he was carrying an illegal offensive weapon, mm, mm, you know, for which mm. he could technically have been imprisoned for carrying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it's a lack of knowledge, it's a lack of awareness. Yeah. Nobody had ever yeah. had that discussion Agreed. with him. Uh, He was just carrying it to do tricks with. It was, you know, a a craze apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But unless you start that conversation with the young person, then how will they ever know? How will they ever know that if they if they choose to carry a knife because they feel it will protect them, that actually it won't? Um, They won't know that unless they're given an opportunity to learn that.
0: Listen, Tom. Uh, we've we've got through a lot there. I feel like we've got through a hell of a lot in half an hour. But um, thanks very much for coming on, giving up your time. I know you've had a busy day, so thanks for uh, thanks for coming and spending spending half no an hour going through. I'm sure it'll help a, a lot of teachers. I had a few texts in there saying thanks very much. And uh, yes, yeah, no problem. Really, really, really
6: I'll just really well. yeah, I'll just finish by saying that, um, like I said, if you are um, looking for classroom based resources, um, definitely head to kind of BenKinsella.org.uk and we have a whole learning zone on our website with resources for parents, teachers, and for young people. There's a whole range of different key stage two, three, and four lesson plans on there. Um, tackling things like gangs, um, looking at stories, real life stories mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. those who've been affected by knife crime. So oh, I, I definitely be take a look out. there. And then also just check out and search for your local services uh, that, they might not necessarily be a knife crime specific charity like us, but there will there are loads of amazing organisations out there that provide um, you know really positive counter narratives around youth violence and around crime. Yeah, fantastic, spot on, and um,
0: thanks very much, uh, Tom. And uh, maybe chat to you again soon. And, and thanks very much for giving up your time. Uh, You're tonight. very
6: welcome. Thank nice you, Tom. To see you. Bye. Take bye. Care.
0: That was uh, Tom Jukes, who was from the Ben Kinsella Trust. Uh, and what a, what a fantastic interview that was to hear from two people tonight. Uh, one who's been directly impacted by knife crime, um, the other one who works for a national charity, doing a lot of um, really important work for people uh, around this area. So I hope you as a listener have got a lot out of this. If you're listening back to it as a podcast, thank you very much. If you've been watching along, on YouTube and on, on Twitter or LinkedIn, then uh, then also thanks. Maybe you're watching it back on one of those, or maybe the link's been shared somewhere else. So if you are watching it back, thank you. If you're listening back, thank you. Um, we Teachers Talk Radio is one year old on Friday. Uh, so it is our one year birthday. Uh, somebody messaged me and told me that. I feel like I'm the kind of partner who forgets an anniversary uh when i when I found that out the other day, and someone said, Hey, our first show was you know was a year ago, so on friday uh, this week it will be our birthday uh I don't know what we're gonna do for our birthday yet there won't be any secret parties involving booze that's for sure um it will be a it will be a digital party if there is one um and uh but it is something definitely worth celebrating with almost 400,000 downloads in fact I think we're about 15,000 downloads away from the 400k mark which will be pretty staggering to to have that many downloads and that's down to you our listeners who have listened to shows over the last year um, who've contributed to shows obviously I'll be on in a week's time but I won't have a chance to say that before then so it's just a thank you from me to everyone who's listened to a Teachers Talk radio show in the last year and I know a lot of people have um, and um, have engaged with us on on social media or supported our hosts who 90% of which are practicing teachers in schools. Uh, and all of our shows are live. It's not an easy stint for our hosts. Uh, there is very little of our content that is that is um, uh, kind of recorded. Uh, you know, it is live and and our hosts are very, very talented individuals who do an amazing job uh, of, of kind of uh, putting across their message and hosting these shows. And we've had some amazing guests who, as well who've given up their time uh, on Teachers Talk Radio. So it's been a pleasure uh, today, tonight and uh, I will be back as I say next week I'm not sure what day yet but I'll be back don't worry and uh, we'll see you all again very very soon on TTR
1: you've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio